Every word of Scripture is important to and inspired by God. So does it not make sense then that if each and every word of Scripture is important to God, it should be equally as important to us as well? In the Garden of Eden, Satan planted a tiny seed of doubt in Eve's mind. She let herself think about Satan's suggestion versus God's promise. And as a result, her response to the devil was tainted. Well, welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This is episode number 87, and in this episode, we're going to continue our deep dive into Satan's strategy with Eve in the garden so that we can discover how he's still using the same M.O. today on you and me. Today's episode, Say It Ain't True. Even today. We must be very careful not to take away from God's Word. When we begin to doubt God's Word, not going to Him, not trusting in Him for the answers to our questions, and even our doubts, we'll find that it's much easier to forget what He really said, and then to to start to detract from God's Word. And eventually, we will disobey God's Word and His will altogether, and we won't even care. Satan wants to deceive your mind. He wants to draw you away from the simplicity that is in Christ. He he wants to pull you away from that pure, unadulterated devotion to your Heavenly Father. That's, that's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, somehow your mind can be led astray from the sincere and pure devotion that is in Christ. You see, just as he did with Eve, Satan will begin by getting you to question God's word. That's what we talked about in last week's episode. All the devil wants you to do is to begin to ask yourself the question, did God really say that? Maybe I misunderstood him. Maybe he meant something different. And when the enemy is able to get you to begin to question God's word, watch this now, his next step is to deny the truth of what God actually said. Let me explain. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, Satan says to Eve, You will not surely die. Now, I can almost hear the serpent's voice dripping with sarcasm. Can't, can't you just hear him snort at Eve's answer? <laughs> and then watch him roll his sinister snake eyes as he says, Ah, oh, come on, Eve, do... Do you really think that you're going to actually die? What what nonsense is God trying to fill your mind with anyway? You're not going to die. Now God's holding back on you and you know it. Well, I want to submit for your consideration that when you and I begin to question God's word, it becomes much easier to deny God's truth. You see, when you begin to doubt the truth of what God says, it becomes a lot easier to decide to do something other than what God says. Now, that's a powerful statement. I don't want you to miss it, so let me repeat it. When you begin to doubt the truth of what God says, it becomes much easier for you to decide to do something other than what God says. That's Satan's subtle ploy. He wants to deceive your mind and lead you away from the simplicity that is in Christ. Doubting God's truth 
without seeking God and his word for the answer, well, that inevitably leads to rejecting God's truth. Doubting God's truth leads to rejecting God's truth. Let's take a look at how Eve responded to Satan's accusation that God wasn't telling the whole truth. Here's what she said to Satan. Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. Well, God did say, you must not eat it from the... Let me repeat that. I want to read this correctly. God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Genesis 3, 3. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Satan accused God of lying. Did Eve defend her benefactor? Did she stand up for her creator? Did she tell Satan, you're full of it, get lost, I don't want any of your nasty lies anywhere near me? No. Why didn't she? I submit that we can see the, 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 the deceit already at work in her mind. She's allowing herself to continue to, to think, to mull over, to dwell upon what Satan was saying to her. The seed of doubt was beginning to sprout. The weeds of her thoughts are now starting to choke out the actual truth of what God had said. So, let's consider for a moment, what did God actually say as it relates to this? Well, we have to go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, where God says this, You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Were you able to pick up Eve's error here? Did you catch what she had done? You see, when we compare what God said with what Eve said, we find that Eve not only subtracted from God's word, you remember last week's episode, she omitted the word free, but we also see that she added her own words to God's word. Had you caught that? You see, Eve told Satan that God had said, you must not touch it. But God hadn't said that. So she added to God's word. I say, oh, oh, okay, Steve. So she added to God's word. What, what's wrong in, in adding to what God said? I mean, after all, isn't it a good thing to not even touch the forbidden fruit? Well, the bottom line, watch this now. The bottom line is that when Eve chose to add to God's word, she did two significant things. First of all, she made God out to be less kind and giving. She stopped remembering everything that God had already lovingly provided for her. I mean, think about it. She had an entire garden, a a perfect garden created by a perfect God, and it was chock full of everything she would ever need, everything she would ever desire, and it was all right there at her fingertips. But instead of focusing on what God had given her, She allowed her mind to begin to focus on the one thing that God was not allowing her to have. And when she chose to add to God's word, she was indicating a belief that God was infringing upon her rights. There was no comprehensible reason why she couldn't eat of that fruit, other than the fact that God must be being selfish, God must be unloving, he's unfair, he's uncaring. In fact, he's just downright mean. Well, the second thing that Eve did by adding to God's word was to make God's command a load that was much too heavy to bear. When she added that additional restriction, don't even touch it, she painted a picture of a God 
who was demanding far too much of her. Can you almost hear her thinking, How could a loving God possibly expect me to walk through the garden and come next to this tree and not even think about it, let alone touch it? Doesn't he realize how hard it is to not eat of it? Doesn't he care about the agony this is causing me? The truth is this. God's commands are never a burden to those who belong to him. Don't take my word for it. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. God's commands will never be a burden. Eve added to God's word, and when she did, she altered God's truth. She warped it into something that God, in never, God never intended it to be. She made it all about her, when it was really all about him. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, God says, Do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it. Keep the commands of the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 4.2. A few chapters later, in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32, we read, See that you do all that I command you, and do not add to it or take away from it. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, it says, Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. What's the point? God makes it abundantly clear. He takes his word seriously. And so should we. Listen, my friend. Satan does not want you to live in victory over your sin. He doesn't want you to live a godly life. So he is going to engage you in an all-out war. He wants to wage this war against you to keep you from letting your life shine in such a way that others are going to see your good works and give glory to God, Matthew 5, 16. So to that end, he's attacking your mind daily. And he's attacking your mind with his cunning lies, his deceit, to keep you from the simplicity that is in Christ. And one of the primary ways he does this is to get you to question the truth of God's word so that you're then wide open and and, and you're exposed to denying God's truth and you're vulnerable to accepting his own devious lie as actually the truth instead. In, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, Satan said to Eve, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Hmm. Can you readily identify Satan's bold-faced lie here? You see, when God created man, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, he said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. You see, Adam and Eve were already made in the image of God, and I submit they knew that. And yet Satan, in his devious ploy, got them to doubt that fact. And when they were able to question and doubt that truth, then they were able to deny that he was able to get them to deny that truth 
and and therefore therefore accept his substituted lie in the place of God's absolute truth. I mean, let's face it, a lie is a lie, my friend. It will never be true. Why? Because it's a lie. But the devil is very adept at getting us to believe that his lies are actually true. Now listen carefully. Satan's lie here to Adam and Eve is that they would be like God. But you need to understand this meant far more than just simply being created in God's image, which they already were. Satan was actually tempting them to believe that they themselves could be God. And yet, what's the truth? In Exodus chapter 8, verse 10, Moses says, There is no one like the Lord our God. In fact, in Exodus chapter 9, verse 14, God himself said, There is no one like me in all the earth. The prophet Samuel cried out in in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 22, How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. There is no God but you. In 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 20, King David is praying and he says, There is no one like you, O Lord. There is no God but you. In Isaiah 46, verse 9, God says, I am God. There is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Are you hearing me? Are are you grasping the truth of Scripture? This is the absolute truth that permeates all of the Bible. No one can be like God. And yet, when Satan got man to question God's word and then deny God's truth— Man was not only open to believing Satan's lie, but he received that lie as truth. Adam and Eve actually believed that God was selfishly holding back on them and that by eating the fruit, they'd experience full deity for themselves. After all, I deserve that. Well, before we wrap up today's episode... There's one more thing that Eve did in response to Satan's deception. Now, if you've been following this mini-series, then you know that she first omitted God's word by leaving off the word free. She then added to God's word by saying, nor shall you touch it. And finally, she completely changed God's word. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 3, she said to Satan, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, it's very possible that you missed the significance of what she said to the serpent when I just quoted it to you. So so let's compare what Eve said with what God actually said. Eve used the words, or you will die. But in Genesis 2, verse 17, God said, when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, Again, some of you listening might be tempted to think that I'm just getting nitpicky and I'm worrying about splitting hairs here, but please hear me out. God said, if you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. But when Eve was responding to Satan's temptation, by leaving out the word surely, she changed what God was saying. Here's my point. By that omission, Eve changed God's word. She adjusted his agenda. She adjusted his plan. She altered his promise. 
She moved the penalty of disobedience from the firm and absolute, surely you will die. It was an absolute promise. She shifted that to you might die. You, 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 yeah, you'll die, but it's the realm of, of possibility as opposed to fact. Listen, when we try to figure out answers to our doubts without going to God's word, we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable to the input from ungodly influences. When we begin to doubt God's truth, and we begin then to deny God's truth, we are open to the deceitful lies that will take the place of God's truth, and we will begin to consider our daily choices, our daily actions, our attitudes, our behavior, apart from the Word of God. Bottom line is we'll no longer see the necessity of or the purpose for the Bible. We'll conduct our life without pursuing God's desire, God's will, God's way through God's word. Satan was able to get Eve to consider the tree apart from what God had said because she chose to allow her mind to initially doubt and then question God's word. That made her wide open to rejecting God's truth. That made her completely vulnerable to listening to and then giving in to the devil's lie in the place of God's truth. Ultimately, in the end, Adam and Eve discovered that God's truth is indeed absolute truth. You see, Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7 says this, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Here's my point. On that day, in that garden, at that tree, at that very moment that they bit into the fruit, they did surely die. Oh, not physically, but they were permanently separated from God until God steps in and chooses to resolve the conflict. Oh, my friend, this is exactly what Satan is trying to accomplish in your life. He wants to get you away from God's truth so that you can consider your life and make your daily decisions and choices apart from God, apart from God's truth, apart from God's perfect and pleasing will for your life. After all these years, between the Garden of Eden all the way up to today, Satan's strategy has not changed one bit. All he needs to do is plant a seed of doubt in your mind. If you don't yield your will to God through the Spirit of God, your mind will take it from there. That's why, listen to me, watch this now, that's why it's so important that you let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, Colossians 3.16. This is why it is so critical that you are daily setting your mind, fixing your thoughts on Christ, not King me, Colossians 3.2. This is why it is so vital that above all else, you're guarding your heart, protecting your mind, Proverbs 4.23. 
And I do that. I guard my heart. I protect my mind. I set my focus on Christ. As 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, by taking captive my thoughts. And I take captive my thoughts by Philippians 4.8, thinking only on the things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Think on those things. It's not an impossibility, my friend. Remember Philippians 4.13, in Christ you can do this. Well, as we close today's podcast, and we're not done with this study. We've got some more uh, digging we're going to do into the, the Satan's approach to Eve in the Garden of Eden, but that's in next week's episode. For right now, I'd like to introduce to you a brand new exceptional resource for parents. So if you're listening and you are a parent of a six-year-old through a teenager and they're still living in your home, listen closely. This resource is for you. This is going to help you engage your children in a healthy, godly way as you talk with them about the topic of sex. And I'm talking more than just the birds and the bees here. I am so proud and so excited to introduce you to this new, powerful, comprehensive video course just for parents. It's entitled The Sex Talk. You can gain access to The Sex Talk by going to my website, thepuritycoach.com forward slash The Sex Talk, all one word, all lowercase, thepuritycoach.com forward slash The Sex Talk. Or on the home page, at the very beginning of the page, you can see a button that says The Sex Talk. But in this comprehensive video course, 13 godly experts, teachers, Bible scholars are presenting to parents the tools necessary to have a clear, confident, ongoing sex talk with your kids. In this day and age, with everything that our children are exposed to, this is so critical. It is so vital. And parents, you can do it. Trust me, you can do this. This series called The Sex Talk helps parents not only get equipped and gain confidence, but it also helps you learn how to have that ongoing conversation, a conversation that empowers your kids not only to be pure and live pure, but stay pure. So this video course is a powerful tool to help you get a head start on this critical topic. So I want to strongly encourage you, if this even remotely intrigues you, go to my website, thepuritycoach.com forward slash thesextalk, all one word, lowercase, and take advantage. There's a summer special being offered for the month of August. If you sign up for this powerful video course before August 31st, you will get a 10% discount off the original price of $99. Now, this subscription includes 13 videos from leading national experts on, on the psychology, the biology, the technology, and the theology that surrounds pornography. It also includes discussion guides, prayer guides, an interactive parent chat room, and it has this thing called the the Parents Digital Playbook for Purity. Oh, listen, there are so many resources and so many tools available. And the beauty of this Sex Talk video course is that this course can go as fast or as slow as you, the parent, chooses. It's even great for small group formats or for churches to use. So please take advantage of the August Summer Special. 
and go to thepuritycoach.com forward slash the sex talk to learn more about this super relevant course for parents. And if you've not yet subscribed to this podcast, let me encourage you to do so today so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Well, until next time, this is author, speaker, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, He must first be glorified in your every moment thinking.